0: Hello, Jeff Watts here, and welcome to our second episode of the Agile Pubcast in 2020. This time, Paul and I got together in sunny Malmesbury. Yeah, sunny. We're in the Cotswolds and over a pint of pig swill, really, at a pub called the Whole Hog. We start off by answering a question we got from Manuel Muller on Twitter and Manuel wanted to know how a non-technical scrum master might help a team keep up their technical excellence levels. After that, Paul shares with us his somewhat emotional response to his first game of rugby in almost a year, and we somehow managed to map the benefits of exercise to agile teams, and how sometimes the little things that are going on with your teammates might in fact be much bigger than you could ever imagine. So with that teaser wetting your appetite, Grab yourself a cold one and sing along to your favorite podcast jingle. Cheers. And action
1: Is the recorder. Yep. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Cheers, Cheers everyone.
2: Cheers to our patrons! Cheers to our listeners! <coughs> and welcome back to another podcast episode.
1: Yeah, of, of people who are watching the video, of this they will be able to see what an incredibly sunny day it is. That's in beautiful. In January, it's beautiful. We are squinting. I'm oh yeah. sitting in the. I'm sitting right in direct Right in the all. window, so it's nice and warm as we're in a sort of conservatory <laughs> area of the bar.
2: Um, of what is called the whole pig, the whole hog. Oh, oh, the whole hog in Malmesbury, Market Cross. So literally in the, uh, the centre of, th- of the old village, which is um, Malmesbury. I think it's a 10 point town in the village. It's very nice. It's very Cotswoldy, isn't it, around hmm. here? It looks like it's got history. Yeah, lots of history. Right next to the Abbey,
1: which has some. I walked past it. There's some sort of uh, ruins. Yeah, they're like old ruins, with the I don't know, Roman ruins, or something like that. Mm. Do you know anything? No, about n- that? no idea. No idea.
2: Okay, maybe we'll
1: Google that. Um. Hey, oh, oh yeah. what are you drinking? Is
2: that um, it's very nice. Thatcher, is it? This is a Lily's. Uh, it's a Lily's cider, which and it's not. But I've not had it before. This is Crafty Pheasant, four point five percent. It's um, and it's um, it's very nice actually. Mm. I'm enjoying this because it's it's cloudy, but it's it's very sweet. So okay. it's nice. It's um. Somerset cider, lovely. Lilies isn't nice cider. I do like the lilies. You've had lilies before. We've had the lilies, and is it, is it, yeah, it's this, uh, lilies does a lot of um, flavoured ciders as well, like okay. uh, raspberry ciders and things like that.
1: I have a vague recollection of you having a crafty plucker once by a time. <laughs> <on the> same <laughs> it might be. They have they have <coughs> clever
2: names. Yeah, but lilies is pretty good. This is nice. This is right at my good. what you, What you got? Um, it's called Pixwell.
1: <laughs> Which reminds me of when we went to a bar and I had a, a, a pint of was it rats? Is it rats something or was that You had a black rat and a badger spit. Badger spit, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So pigswill. Yeah, I've gone for so the next Explain name. what pigswill is. We might need to for our. I don't I have to Google the word because I don't really know. Um, Why you do that? I'll have a
2: sip and try and describe I it. Just to explain to our listeners. <laughs> you tell us what, it's, um, what it what tastes like, and then I'll tell you the official definition. Okay. So I, it's um, it's it's got a slight chill to it. Not quite
1: mm-hmm. not quite room temperature. A little bit cooler than room temperature. Um, okay. Flat. Yeah. Um, intentionally. Mm-hmm. I'd say there's a, a, a it's a vague vague fruitiness, but I'm not quite sure what kind of fruit. I'm not sure it's supposed to be fruity, but it has a, gives me that. Yeah. Memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost, almost a little bit of pear in there, a bit woody. Mhm. Um. But quite easy to drink. Yeah. Mine's
2: yeah. Very easy to drink We'll Be careful.
1: <clears throat> so what? What is pigswell officially? So officially,
2: according to Google, pigswell is a noun, which is kitchen refuse and scraps fed to the pigs. Mhm. Hence the name pigswell. Slop Yeah So mm-hmm. it's, it's not um, deliberately um, Obviously it's deliberately named But yes uh, as an old kind of Meaning for that word mm-hmm. Well Bit
1: of jest in there if Pigs, uh, pigs are dining on this Good, good luck to them <laughs> <laughs> You've done well Very nice Cheers mate Cheers, Cheers buddy oh,
2: yeah. Cheers to see you again
1: So yeah We thought we'd try somewhere a little bit different today
2: It's kind of equidistant <laughs> isn't it between us
1: uh, there's not that many places that we can go, no. unless we are going somewhere specifically, which we which you're going to be doing a little bit of over the next few. We
2: minutes. are. Yeah, we're touring around uh, this a year, few we. weeks and months. That'd be yeah. good.
1: Um, would uh, you 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 put something out there for the world to try and give us a bit of a, a steer for this podcast? I did.
2: We asked some questions, didn't we? We just put it out on Twitter. Um... We tweeted out from the podcast c- account I think it was yesterday, asking for some questions, um, and there was there was a couple there was a bit of a response, yes. it, a bit of a, a bit of from on one particular question, which was from originally from Manuel Manuel Muller. Mm-hmm. Um, his original question was: um, technical excellence is key for a Scrum team. Yeah. How can it? How can, how can drive it? How can you drive it with a non-technical Scrum Master? Was his question. Okay. Do you want me to give you the, uh, the fallout from that? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, why not? So there was a response from uh, Richard Hundhausen, which quite blatant or bluntly mm-hmm. said the development team owns the technical excellence, not the Scrum Master. Mm. Which is, a f- I think, is a fair point. Okay. In a, te- in a technical project you'd hope the technical excellence comes from the development team role Have any response to that before there's a, there's a secondary question to this well, there's a secondary question
1: rather than more points on that one yeah and, and, and another one, here. It's different. It's a different one I think that would be I think the essence of my view on that would be very similar to Richard um, although i would come back to Manuel's point of driving it so I think a Scrum Master could drive it so long as they were this metaphor probably isn't going to go very, very very, well, but as long as they were given the keys um, and and insured on the team's car. <laughs> um, because if if the team agree, yeah, we, we, we do buy into technical excellence. That is something that is important to us. That's the kind of team that we want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know we're going to find it difficult because maintaining able- any level of excellence, anything, is, is quite tough or challenging over the long term. Mm-hmm. Then they may well ask a scrum master to help them k- stay on track, Yeah, be their conscience if you like, mm-hmm. just almost a prod. But that sense of accountability still lies with the team. So for example, if I was in that position as a scrum master, I wouldn't be saying, hold on a minute, your technical excellence is, is dropping off, pick it up, mm-hmm. step it up. It would be a, this is what I've noticed, mm-hmm. are you noticing the same thing, what if anything do you want to do about that? Yeah. And I wouldn't... So I guess there's a second part of that in, could I do that
2: if I didn't have a technical bent? Yeah. I believe it's possible. Is there a risk that a team might try and pull the ball
1: over as a master's eyes if they didn't, didn't have that? Well, that, that phrase is something that I hear a lot. Um, and to me, it goes back to that sense of, well, who are they doing this for? If they see this as something that I require of them, then, yeah, they may well play games. But if it's of no no interest to me necessarily personally
2: mm-hmm.
1: whether their technical excellence level is high, mediocre or poor, mm-hmm. other than whether or not that's something they want to achieve. Yeah. Then they would only be pulling the wool over their own eyes. Yeah. <clears throat> I
2: think it's... Um, we've had this question before. I think we've... Well, we might not have even had the question, but me and you have certainly discussed this on a... Um, podcast before and I'm probably going to at risk now repeating the exact same thing as I've said before but um, I think there's a there's a the, to flip it, flip it round to flip Rich's response round to say there's a there's a benefit to scrum to having technical excellence yep um, I've seen certainly from, as a level of respect if you're and again I the analogy I draw with this now is, is the kids that I coach um, maybe it's a bit different with kids that I coach in underlines rugby I believe and maybe this is this is um, a false belief but I believe that I, I get a level of respect not just from the kids but also from the parents mm. because I still play the game because I still like to think <laughs> I know know the game Yeah. so I think there is. I think I can still coach I think I can still and allow those kids to thrive, but there is—I feel—probably from my own personal perspective, I, I enjoy the respect I gain from still playing, being able to being able to ask a child to do something that I would be prepared to do myself. Hmm. It, uh, but that's maybe a more teaching role than coaching. Well. Isn't it? Because learning.
1: Well, I think there is a nuance to that, not necessarily because you're teaching. But again, why are you teaching? Are you teaching because they want to learn? Are you teaching because the club require you to teach them? And I think that's an organizational thing as well. As an organization, do we demand technical excellence of our people? I think that's, in some respects, a very fair request to have. You know, if you're hiring somebody to do a professional job, you expect them to, to meet professional levels standards, quality, and so on. Mm. Um, but it's the the motivation, whether it's an intrinsic motivation or an extrinsic motivation. Am I doing this? That might not be the right term, but am I doing this to meet somebody else's goals, or am I doing this because this is important to me?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> and I think... Yeah, we've we've definitely talked about this uh, because I've talked about player-led coaching before and saying, uh, as a coach turning up, okay, what do you want to learn? What do you want to get better at? Yeah. Tell me, and then we'll help you. We'll create create an environment where you can know whether you're getting better or not. Do I need to know the ins and outs of it? Well, there's an argument of no, um, because I don't need to know the correct textbook. I mean, using inverted commas here for our (laughs) listeners, the correct textbook technique to to do something but i can look at output i can look at outcomes mm-hmm. are they getting what they want are they able to get the ball in a particular through a particular gap mm-hmm. that, that's what they want to do they mm-hmm. want to hit the ball in that particular area of the field um, they want to be able to tackle somebody without getting hurt mm-hmm. um they want to be able to pass the ball or kick the ball a, di- a certain distance with accuracy whatever their objective is if they mm-hmm. want to achieve that mm-hmm. What do they need to, to do to be able to get that? Now some of that might be invisible. There may be an element of, they may, they may be unaware of, for example, musculoskeletal dynamics. For example, like if you build up these muscles, yes. you will find it easier to achieve that. They, they may be lacking that information. Yeah. But do I demand that they develop those muscles? some coaches might mm. some scrum masters might they might say if you want to maintain levels of technical excellence then you need these engineering practices you need to follow these XP practices
2: <laughs> and they might
1: have been aware of them mm. dangers of that limiting their techniques to the ones that I'm aware of
2: exactly yeah, it's, it's, it's expertise isn't it is that you'll will all take well, me included take take people down a certain path that suits me but doesn't suit everyone else and, and not necessarily suits it but just what you're aware of
1: and, and we had we have a conversation about coaching talent out of people mm. because saying this is how you do it when actually they may find a different way of solving the same problem without necessarily following the, the, the de facto stereotypical standard technique mm. and so while well, I think you can look at things like XP practices uh, and agile engineering practices as things that have stood pretty well the test of time. Yeah. And bags and bags of empirical evidence of them being incredibly useful when it comes to technical excellence. I'm sure without that technical knowledge myself,
2: but I am sure there are others. Yeah. <coughs> and there's a, to flip it around again, so, so technical doesn't, to try and take technical away from software. Technical in sport doesn't mean so great players don't always make great coaches. No, and in fact, some of the better coaches either had a very short or a non-existent playing career Mm. because they just focus on different things. I imagine. And focus on people management, and kind of relationships and um, team teamwork, and just getting getting teams good at working together, leadership.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm mean, i writing quite a bit about not the technical side of things but this sense of team mastery This, you know, do you want to be a good team yeah. do you want to be a great team do you want to be a nah kind of team yeah. and by far and away the best teams have that sense of no 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 this is, this is important to us that we do well yeah. that we are successful that we, we do things as well as we can we, are, we want to achieve things and so in those situations it's, it's getting out of their way almost yeah. It's, it's amplifying their own intrinsic drivers and values mm. and then helping them experiment with ways to, to meet them, maximize mm. them. Mm. So if you've got a team, well, let's, let's explore this nuance then, so you are you're a scrum master for a team and this team don't seem particularly keen on technical excellence, it's kind of, yeah, that'll do. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, what would your response be to that?
2: I think I try and work on or try and establish then what is important to you mm. and try and look at those, if it's not that, what what does keep you in this job, what does get you out of bed in the What might that be in your experience of the teams that you've seen? Um, I think a lot to be brutal, I, I don't think it's the only motivator but I think people somebody coined mortgage-driven development is people feel they have to, 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 to sustain their income mm. and you know, I trying to tell my daughter that they But they
1: don't pay their mortgage for building quality
2: mm. Well if you, if you look at, if you look at BT I know we talk about BT a lot but we work with a lot of people that I would consider were, doing, were just doing enough for. they didn't really, didn't really care about quality but they were just making sure they got paid and I think, I think that's probably changing um, with the people that I meet certainly these days. Like maybe, but maybe we're just centred around people that, that do want to do a pro job. Maybe. Is it that those people didn't care about quality or is it they
1: didn't really have a connection with who was experiencing the consequences of the quality?
2: <coughs> I think
1: my, my experience might be different to yours with those people. Is that a lot of them were disconnected from the, from the end customers and the end users. So they didn't actually see. They knew it wasn't really... Helping, but they didn't actually get to to see the pain on a customer or a user's face. No, that's true. Or the the support agent who had to deal with the workarounds and uh, the midnight fixes. Um, Or we had one or two people who enjoyed being the midnight fixes, right? They enjoyed being the heroes. So actually, poor quality was was gold dust to them because they could play the hero role. True.
2: So different drivers. Um. I had someone. Come up, it's probably a slight aside. I had someone come up to me in a course this week, and um, genuinely look quite pained. at they, you know, and I've got to pull up two questions that I need to ask you because this is really what's the problem, this is really what's getting me down, really what I need to work on. As she said, "There's just half, probably half, half to two thirds of my team that just don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. They don't want to." They don't, don't want to do what? They, do, they don't want to do Scrum. They don't okay. want to... They, they see the process as a bind, they see the meetings as, a, as an overhead, they see everything as, a, as a, a reason not to do it. And it's draining me, it's exhausting me. I can't... this is someone trying to do a all. It's not even a Scrum Master. Okay. It's someone who's trying to get... Trying to motivate people, trying to get... So it's not just about quality, this is about just general um, participation. Yeah. And... Um, I was trying to explain that there's, we all have motivators or demotivators, and it's trying to back to it, but trying to tap into what those things are. Mm -hmm. And I know, so some software developers, engineers that I've worked with, generally get a buzz about, they have a pride in their work, Mm -hmm. that you enjoy taking time reviewing and reviewing again the quality of their work. Um, So that's that's their motivator. Um, but I don't think
1: everyone does have that right. And not all of those teams. I think they're, they're another aspect here in terms of scope of control, and yeah. do if yeah, exactly I, if I put that's 100% effort in here and do this to the best of my ability, is it still it's going to, to be enough? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or is it just going to get swallowed into the whole, of, the whole mess? I don't and make a difference, Yeah, <coughs> that, Yeah, that diff- make a difference, that inconsequentiality. Uh, I think that's an easy way to, to sort of give up and make an excuse for, uh, why bother?" Mm. Um, the, the, I think those, those are the factors for me. I mean, the sense of pride, there's also an element of if you don't believe you can do it perfect, why bother trying? Yeah. Uh, and that all or nothing sense from a team can stop many from, from giving their best because they know it's never going to be perfect. Mm. And so rather than try and know that they can't achieve perfection won't try, because mm. if they don't try, they, they haven't necessarily failed. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's usually an underlying reason behind that. Most people, with all variables kept the same, would, given the choice, rather deliver something of high quality than low quality, oh, yeah. I genuinely believe that, mm. uh, but there are other factors that are influencing that, mm. <laughs> whether that be a lack of connection to the consequences, whether in, there are incentives for, for alternative behaviours, whether there are other things going on in their lives that are more important right now, but they don't feel like they have control over the outcome, whatever it is, there's 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 something else going on. So my come all the way back to Manuel's point, I wouldn't be driving the quality per se. I'd be driving the environment. Mm. I'd be working on the assumption that if everything else is in its is, is favourable, this team would. <laughs> Want to deliver high quality? So my focus is on the things that are actually stopping that natural behaviour <coughs> occurring naturally. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. Good question. Thank you, um, Manuel. Uh, who's received? Yes. And um, Richard. Were
1: there any other questions? No. Okay. <laughs> so then I can. So then I can ask how you're doing. I'm good, mate. I'm um, very good. You had a big smile on your face when I, when I saw you this morning, first thing. Uh, yeah, I, am um, not saying that's abnormal, but it,
2: you, you definitely looked... It, it surprised me, because my wife tells me that I'm always sound. I wonder how I come across in these podcasts, actually, but right? she says that I always... My telephone voice is generally miserable. OK. Uh, but I've... On the, um... As 2020 is now thoroughly underway, mm-hmm. I've, um, has been I've treating a, you well? Yeah, I've had, a, I've had a, a a resurgence of energy. I think maybe that's the new year. Maybe it's just. I think it's also got a lot to do with my um, physical state. I feel. Now I, I know that I ate too much over Christmas, and I know a lot of people listening will be in a similar situation mm. where they feel a bit um, that they've overindulged. And I did. Yeah, you know, I ate a lot and I drank too much probably. But and I'm probably, I'd say. Just going on general feeling, I'm probably half a stone heavier than I'd like to be. Okay. Um, But I had a bit of a.
1: What's that in the US? Oh, seven pounds. PGs. I don't know. No, pounds. Yeah, seven
2: pounds. 15 kilos? 15 kilos? No. What, seven pounds? Is it 15? 2.2 pounds in a kilo. Oh, so it's the other way around. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's three and and a half kilos. Okay. so, um, three yeah, but I've had so I've talked before about how much this is getting me down, and I know that you know how much this is getting me down, but over the last six months, I've been struggling with an Achilles injury, mm. Achilles pain, stroke, and I've seen a variety. It's the perfect example of a complex problem that experts couldn't diagnose it. I couldn't resolve it for me and I was wanting to be a wanting someone to tell me this is what's wrong go and fix it and I think it's just one of those things that nobody even now nobody can really explain and I can't explain it but it's just time is the healer and I rested it for a, a good month and I went back and after in the new year and I've played without pain for the first time in about six months played rugby sorry I say without pain for the first time in six months and it's it's kind of it was a bit of a um, quite a threshold moment. Uh, I saw you tweet about this. Did I? Yeah.
1: I can't you, remember what I tweeted you about. You tweeted about how it was nice to be back and thanks for
2: the game. And oh, yeah, yeah. You so seemed quite was, quite really, yeah. Ha- really happy about that. It was a Saturday afternoon last week and I was in the pub. <laughs> After the game? After the game. Yeah. Um, I, was waiting, I took my kids to, to their swimming class and I generally go for a drink while I'm waiting for them. I'm a bad parent. Um... And I sat down and I was probably in a very reflective mood and, and you yeah, know, it was January and mm. I'd had a, I'd had a, a pint of um, a reasonably strong cider, I imagine. And I just reflected and I thought, this is kind of a... Oh, I was quite in an emotional state and I recorded it. I, 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 think I've got to, I, I thought to myself, I've got to get down my words here. Um, you, we, who were who
1: you talking to? I was talking to
2: myself. Oh, just, okay, cool. If, yeah. So, um, I just t- got my phone out. Again, I was a silly thing when I was drunk, but... Um, and I just recorded what I said. I haven't listened back to this. I was gonna say, is it safe to, to play we that? don't know. I suppose we can edit it. But we can, if, it's, if you see some really odd stops in this, you'll know why. I didn't swear, because I was in a public place, but I'll, um, I haven't listened to this back, but I'll play it now, and because I haven't heard this, you haven't heard this. See what I said, here we go. Hello everyone, so it's 5.34 on a Saturday night, and I'm in Timberwolves Yard in Bradford, Avon, having just finished my first 80 minutes of Rugby in 6 months. And must have been feeling a bit emotional about it. It's kind of been a long journey for me as a 41 year old man having to come to terms with the fact that I was struggling to get back to a level of fitness mainly due to some Achilles problems that I've been to see a number of different specialists and physios and osteopaths over and today after a lot of patience and hard work and stretching and a number of other exercises I played 18 minutes of rugby for the first time since probably March of last year and it's kind of given me a a sense of I can still carry on this kind of new burst of life a new a new start for me really kind of a weird feeling really that I thought I'd never play again. I thought my uh, days were numbered. 41 years old, a lot of sad thoughts about getting old and never being able to exercise and enjoy myself again. But rugby is something that has always kept me pushing towards doing that, pushing towards maintaining my, uh, my enjoyment of, of sport. So it's a big big win for me today and rugby is something that's very close to my own personal values and it's made me feel quite at peace that I'm not I'm not done yet there's 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 given me an extra urge to to carry on to try some new things to realize that I'm not ready for the scrap heap just yet and also it's a bit of a reconnection with a a family for me I've got a lot of friends and kind of close relationships at a rugby club that I've been part of for the last ten years, and it's when you're injured, you very much feel. I feel like I was out of that fold, out of that uh, family. So today was a reintegration for me back into that that Saturday afternoon spirit that I'd missed, and just made me feel part of the club again I think being part of a club is something that's very close to me personally so whilst now my body feels like it's been thoroughly battered and bruised and exhausted and drained of all its energy there's a warm feeling I have that a warm energy I have that has a desire to carry on and I wonder if that's something that there's an agile crossover here, something where you can maybe we can discuss on another podcast, pubca- Jeff. What do you think?
1: There you go, Jeff. What do you think?
2: What do I think?
1: <laughs> Sorry about that. No, that's good, I think. Nice, like that. Capture it while it's fresh. Yeah. Um, what do I think? I do think there's a lot, a lot to be said for the benefits of exercise and positivity. Yeah. I mean, that's not just me saying that. I think that's that's pretty well, well documented. scientifically yes. documented. that you know, The more you exercise, the more positive you, you feel. And if you're used, I'm also pretty sure it's well scientifically documented, that you can get addicted to exercise. Yeah. So if you've been doing something for a long time like that and suddenly you're not able to... to to carry on in that routine and your body's missing something that it's. But I don't think it was just a physical thing for me. But I think that physical is psychosomatic. It translates into emotion as well. Yeah. So, literally, with the the chemicals that you're not producing anymore because you're not running around, Uh but also that that sense of being part of something and and being with your mates and Uh winning and supporting each other and, and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. So, I think... My, my first thought from that is, it can be quite easy to, to, in terms of does this have an agile link. My first thought is, it can be, I do see a few teams that can get quite, for want of a better word, m- miserable oh. at work. Oh. People that get quite miserable at work get quite dragged down, um, and especially those that you know, work in long hours. Oh. Um, and I, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday no, a couple of days ago, who um, we were talking about you know, what time of day is their best time of day. Mm. And while they hadn't really thought about it before, they could answer quite quickly. They said, well, how could you create more of those types of situations during the day? So if your energy levels are going down and down and down, mm. what could you do to get them back up again? Mm. So well, I'd love to be able to go to the gym on my lunch break. Mm. So is there anything actually stopping you from doing that? Mm. And having that even if it's just thirty minutes, mm. even if it's just a walk around the park outside, or yeah. just to get the blood flow, and I think that works at an individual level and a team level as well. Yeah. Were your t- the other thing that jumps to my mind is were your teammates aware of how disconnected you felt?
2: <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Certainly, probably not all of them, and. A, a fraction of, them, a cl- of my closer kind of network of, of teammates those are people that I'm probably friends with outside of, off, off the rugby pitches as well as on it but they've certainly know they've seen me the frustration I've had with constantly having to reply on a whatsapp group saying that can't play, can't play can't play can't play can't play can't play for months on end and then yeah they've probably seen my um, a long sense of absence and they know how much that's they it's must it's have experienced anything, they must have been injured at some point. Yeah, there's probably a degree of empathy as well, that they understand, they can, because they, they feel equally attached to the game, to the club, and to the, a lack of, they would, a lack of playing would, there's other players that have got a very similar, I think it's also an age thing, it's very, uh, the, the injury I had, is very common in 40 plus year old men, unfortunately, okay. to play weekend sports, so it's, um, it's, it's generally a conditioning thing, that, um, and it's also an age thing. Okay. One of my good friends has got a very—he plays cricket and he's—it's um, a similar thing. It's called heel strike, which is basically your Achilles and your heels just taken from bowling constantly, hitting on one leg. And he he had to take a similar amount of time off, and it's, it's hit him in a similar way. So I think there's um yeah there's a an empathy there with people that I'm socialised with that have a similar a frustration with with injury. I, mm. imagine. I
1: did I made a big point about this when I wrote about product owners, because product owners have to make a lot of decisions and decision fatigue can kick in yes. and you make worse decisions if you're tired and hungry and so yes. on. And so I did write specifically about that, but I don't think i would really made much of a... I'd talked to leaders about it, mm. but I haven't really made much of a connection explicitly team, with the, teams. The teams. And you know, are teams aware of their energy levels as a team? Mm. And our team members are aware of their teammates' energy levels. And you know, just as I said to, to this guy a couple of days ago, is there anything stopping you from doing this? Mm. Even if it wasn't the gym even, just to take a, almost a really extreme example, if your way of replenishing your energy was to sit in a dark cl- closet mm. for half an hour, mm. could you convince yourself and justify to you and other people that that was a worthwhile use of your time? Or would you feel, hold on a minute, I'm getting paid here. Mm. I need to be active at my desk Mm. in a meeting. Mm. When if you haven't got the energy to be positive and to be constructive, should you even be there? Mm. Um, So that's, yeah, that's that's what it's made me think of. Mm. I wonder whether there are many people out there that do have those kind of rituals, that self-awareness, that energy-level awareness of themselves and other people, and whether they have any good techniques for
2: positively managing that. Mm. Yeah, it'd good be to, good to hear, but um, it's put, just to talk about me again, um, it's kind of, as I said in that message, first time I've heard it back, but it has given me, and I found, I don't know if it's if it's... It probably is ill-linked, and it's a lot to do with my psyche. But um, I've booked, I've done since this year started. <coughs> I've booked on more things, personal development-wise.
1: Okay.
2: Um, on Monday, I went to an improv drop-in session, which yeah. I yeah. hadn't done for twelve months. Yeah. I just thought, you know, what? I should do this because I can, because I why because yeah. why not? Because I've got the opp- <laughs> because I've got the opportunity. I'm in Bristol. I can do this. It's down yeah. the road. If I don't do it, I'll regret it. So it's this kind of, it's your, your personal well-being. And in the age that we live in now, where mental health is such an important thing that all employers need to be aware of this. Is that? But like you said, is the team, how often does a team check in with their mental health with their colleagues? Mm. Um, you know about this, because I've, I've known about it for six months, but... I can imagine a situation where team members don't realise what's going on for someone mm-hmm. from a well-being point of view, that yep. they're unaware of they that they need time out, that mm. they need a trip to the gym, or they need to go for a walk and a coffee.
1: Well, that links into our first point, Yeah, doesn't motivation.
2: It? Yeah. And it's,
1: you've no idea what's going on. Sometimes yeah. you've got no idea what's going on for people. Yeah. And what might seem like something quite trivial, mm. you know, a sore Achilles, mm. Obviously, it's more than that, but to somebody on the face of it, a sore Achilles. Yeah. Why should that affect your motivation at yeah, work? Yeah, nothing, yeah. But there, there's there's a lot there. Um, the other thing that you mentioned there a couple of times was you, you thought at times that you're not you're not ready. For, sort of realise that you're not ready for the scrap yet. Yeah. Your career is not over yet. Yeah. Almost like it reminded me of an episode of um, a TV show that I was watching the other day, um, where one of the characters um, almost died. Right, and they sort of resigned themselves to the fact that they were going to die, yeah. but then they didn't. Yeah. And they said, "Okay, I'm going to take that, mm. and I'm going to say, I'm going to act as if this is this is my second chance. Mm. Yeah, everything from here on is an extra." Are you in your first game back? Did you did you was it different for you in that regard? Did you
2: play differently? Did you look at the game differently? It's, it's an interesting question. So I played. um I played, I wouldn't say I played badly, but I was, I, could, I played 80 minutes and I was struggling physically, so fitness-wise, mm. basically, so I, I could tell that I was a long way off where I used to be from a... Um, match fitness, match, sport, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, not, not very, but, but there, again, in some respects I kind of expected that and mm. I wasn't surprised by that. I went back out and played again on Wednesday, just a training session, a general mess-around touch rugby session.
0: And I felt really good on the back of it.
2: So I felt fitter, I felt more switched on, I felt more um game ready. So it has a it does that takes a bit of time and I kind of I kind of expected that. I wasn't surprised by that. And but now it's given me even more of an appetite and Sabrina and my wife will be annoyed the fact that I want to play tomorrow, which is Saturday, there's another game on. And despite the fact I probably have got other duties and other Expectations on my time, I really to play because she she knows how much it it um, cheers me up. Mm. She knows she notices when I come back and I've played. And I'm generally a, a happier person in the house, so it does have a, a, a positive effect on me.
1: Mm. Unfortunately for me, I do believe my sporting career is on the scrap heap. No. But there was a time when um, when I'd come back from a, 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 what I consider a serious injury, and I I definitely changed my perception. Mm. So young sportsman I was very competitive oh. I think I would, I would put that back to my professional career as well in a oh. sense in that I, I wanted to win oh. I wanted to be the best oh. I wanted to be the first I I wanted wanted to. Um, it wasn't about <coughs> taking part yeah. it was the winning the competition I, I liked that and then when I was injured and out for a long time I thought I'm probably not going to play again when I went back I noticed that actually I, I made a more conscious effort to enjoy it thinking that every game might be my last yeah. Um, actually I think, I, I think maybe to start with, perhaps I didn't play as well because I wasn't didn't have that drive and that focus and that. But I think after t- over time, I, I actually ended up playing to a slightly better level. Yeah. Um, because I was freer. Yes. Uh, and I think that is an element that I add, and I, I used the phrase a while ago. And going off on tangents here, but I did a talk at a conference at the Scrum Gathering. A while ago, and somebody asked me, how, how, are things, how am I different now to when I started? Because I, I basically made reference to the fact that I'm old. I've yeah. been doing this a long time. I <laughs> uh, said, so well, the main difference is that I don't care as much anymore. Mm. And I had to explain that. And that It's not that I don't care. It's that I'm not as attached to a specific outcome. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want instant success. Yeah. And that sense of just sort of letting go and, and, and rolling with it almost increases the chances of success because oh. you, are, you give other people more space to breathe and you give the process more, more space to breathe. And I think that's, I don't know, that's that's where my head's going with it. Oh. And I, it's going to sound maybe a little bit, I don't know, but when I was young in the BT, and I thought I really worried about losing my job. And there was a point when I actually realised, you know what? A, I'm probably not going to lose my job. Oh and be, if I did, I'd be all right. Yeah. And that freedom allowed me to act with more integrity, with Mm. more bravery, Mm. and with more integrity Mm. and calm, Mm. I think. Mm. Uh, And I think the more that we can give people that that sense of freedom,
2: the better. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of a nice... Dragged on a little bit there, but, but it's um, from my point of view, apologies for that. But it's kind of a, yeah, sort of a spiritual ending to that podcast. Really, left me in quite a yeah, reflective mood. Mm. Really. Maybe twenty twenty is going to be a good year for me. it's put me in, certainly put me in that that place. Mm. All right, cool, nice one.
1: That's great. That's
2: well, all point. Yeah, thanks again to Manuel for the question.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and good one you for recording your thoughts as, as on when they happened. Oh. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. soon. Cheers. Cheers.
0: So there you go, another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it and if you have any questions you'd like us to cover or if you'd like to invite us to your meetup group or conference for a live episode then just get in touch. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and of course patreon.com where you can find some extra episodes that have never seen the light of day plus video versions of a lot of our episodes. Until next time, cheers!